0: Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. I am the publisher and owner of a media company in the Hudson Valley, New York. I launched this podcast to highlight and discuss topics without fear. My aim is to have a free exchange of ideas and an open and honest discussion on the issues of the day. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. Welcome to Hudson Valley Uncensored. My name is Brett Freeman. Today we have our uh, weekly editorial roundup. It's an inside look at Halston Media's editorial team and you know what we're working on and kind of the issues that we face as, as journalists. So I have Brian Marshauser, our editor for Yorktown News and the Katona Broad Times. We have Bob Dumas, the editor for Mayapak News. Tom Waligorski is not with us today. He's, he's off today. But we have the managing editor for The Stormer's Record and North Salem News, Carol Reif. And we also have Whit Anderson, who is a reporter for uh, the Stormers Record in North Salem News. And also, by the way, uh, as well, uh, the Mount Kisco Bedford Times, a monthly Mount Kisco Bedford Times, which hit mailboxes this week. By the time this podcast gets out, people will have had it hopefully sitting in their living rooms for uh, a week. And it's a monthly, so you can keep it in your house for a month to see what's going on. And we also have Gino DeAngelis. He is a reporter for Yorktown News and the Catona Times. And we have Sophia Casalanova, and she's also a reporter for Yorktown News and the Cotonola Sport Times. So welcome all. Hey. Brian, I'm, I'm going to start with you. Um, you said that you're working on some stuff with the Board of Education, and I know that was kind of the, the big news this week with our various boards. I think, Brian, your prediction came true. You predicted, that, I think it was last week, last week's episode, you predicted that the incumbents always do pretty damn well with these elections.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so in both my towns, actually I should say all three of my towns, there was a grassroots movement in Lakeland, in Yorktown, in Katona Lewisboro, even where we haven't really seen much in years past where the incumbents kind of glide to re-election, uh, oftentimes un- unopposed. This time around you know, it was pretty contentious. You know, it, it actually resembled some of the town board elections that I've covered in the recent past, you know, we even got political candidates and committees endorsing candidates, which I've I've never seen before. Yeah. So, but despite all that in Lakeland, the most contentious one of mine where we had 12 candidates, we had two grassroots factions ideologically opposed. Both thought the school board wasn't doing a good enough job and the incumbents reigned supreme. I should say with a caveat that in Lakeland, there wasn't a full incumbent slate. They had two resignations and they filled out their reelection ticket with kind of a, incumbent endorsed candidate, but all those candidates won and Yorktown is the same thing. They actually won in by a wider margin, I think almost two to one.
0: I have a question for you in, ter- mm-hmm. in terms of analysis. So I just voted recently at a Mayapack Chamber meeting for the board of the Mayapack Chamber. And Corinne Stanton, who works for Halston Media, you know, obviously I'm going to vote for her, my employee. So I voted for her. But you had to choose four people. And I chose yeah. I chose four people. And afterwards, someone said to me that was strategically stupid that I should have chosen just one person because...
1: You he hurt her chances in some of her. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So So I'm wondering... If there are almost too many candidates on these factions and they're... It's and they're, interesting,
1: it's interesting yeah. you say that because in Lakeland, the United for Lakeland slate, which was ardently opposed to what they called critical race theory. I'm not going down that rabbit hole and just in a sound bite trying to describe what they are. Uh, so you get a picture. But they would have lost by even a larger margin, I think, had the Lakeland rise slate not been in the race. I kind of think the Lakeland rise slate and the incumbents split the vote a little. The incumbents didn't win by that much over that Lakeland Rise slate. And that was kind of a social justice faction, the Lakeland Rise slate. And so two of their candidates got 1,082 votes. And the fourth place incumbent finisher got like a little more than 1,100. I think she only won by 31 votes. So it was pretty close. But I think if, you know, the Lakeland Rise slate wasn't in the picture, I think the incumbents would have trounce the united for lakeland candidates that's because i don't think people voting for lakeland rise would have voted for united for lakeland understood
0: so so the same people voting Mm -hmm. for one of the factions are going to vote for everybody on that faction you're saying
1: i think for the most part it was down you know i'm I'm voting for this faction i think a lot of people i spoke to were saying people like stability in their schools especially because it's the value of their homes a lot of people move to yorktown and lakeland because of their schools standing and if this controversy at school board meetings and and you know i i think they they say oh boy you know if people don't want to come to our schools that's going to hurt my home value and i really think that plays a factor i think so, the, so the incumbents
0: kind of represent stability status I quo so. you know yeah interesting especially right?
1: because the incumbents for the most part stay out of the fracas they let everyone else do the battle and they just they don't really get into it, especially on social media from in York and Lakeland. They answer my questions in the candidate profiles, but, you know, they, they don't really get involved in the, the spats.
0: All right, uh, I'm, Bob, I'm going to uh, pop over to you, actually. I have to say I did my very, very first endorsement since owning Hals of Media's publications. I did my very, very first endorsement. I endorsed a friend was running for school board. I've never endorsed before. I made clear that it's not an endorsement from Mayapac News. It was an, my own personal endorsement. And you know people can take from it what they will. That being said, I'm batting a thousand. You uh, are. <laughs> so uh, I endorsed the top vote getter. So Indeed, uh, he
2: came, Jonathan Schneider came in first place, former town councilman, and, and he came in first place by a good chunk. We only had one incumbent running, speaking of incumbents, and that was Adam Sabino. He was vice president of the board and he won. But over here in Mayapack, kind of like Lakeland, I mean, it was a contentious, it was more about the budget than the school board members, but, you know, we had... The whole thing with the anti-maskers, the anti-vaccine people. Well, I wouldn't say anti-vaccine. They would correct me and say, we're not anti-vaccine. We're pro-choice. <laughs> Weird choice words there. And then they're also, you know, the critical race theory and all that kind of stuff. The more moderate candidates won actually here. And so the, I thought that was interesting. But the biggest thing that happened Tuesday night is... The Mayapak school budget lost; it failed to pass by by seven votes. I thought it was eight votes. I'm yep. sorry, I can't read my own handwriting here. Eight votes. That was kind of eye-opening. Now, the school district has the option to put it back up again, and having lost by only eight votes, I'm sure that's exactly what they'll do. And if they end up having to go to austerity that could end up having to cut some programs, sports, after school things and things of that nature. The ironic thing of it all for me anyway, was that it wasn't an outlandish budget in that the proposed tax increase was less than 1%. It was like 0.7%. But people still voted it down anyway. I think it was more just like people are just, I don't know, if you read social media leading up to it, there was a discontent amongst the district. Just people are just tired of taxes, period. (laughs) You know, they want to see a tax decrease. I think even a flat, if it had been the same as last year, they still would have voted it down. Or people just don't pay any attention at all to the reporting or what the school district is doing and just assume it's a large tax increase and vote no. When you read post-election, the kind of joy that people are taking on social media that it failed, it is... Really weird.
0: Yeah, I think people are terrified of the economy crashing right now. Um, yeah, you know, I'm sh- I'm sure the stock market crashing in the middle of a um you know a, a school board election probably doesn't help get the budget passed. I forget Tuesday how the stock market did that day, but it's well. Been, according doing pretty to pretty lousy, the stock market
1: actually day. did very good that day.
0: Did it do? Okay, <laughs> yeah. Interesting, interesting.
2: Yeah, it's been up and down. Uh, according to the New York State Teachers Union, the statewide union, that on Tuesday there was 570 budgets up for vote. 563 of them passed; only seven hmm. failed. No, ninety-nine percent passed. Interesting. Uh, seven failed, and one of them was Mohopach. So I have a call into the superintendent. I haven't had a chance to speak with him yet about what they're going to do moving forward.
1: this, this is this has happened before in Maypec, right? I think where they it was voted down initially and then on the second vote it was approved. That's what I heard.
2: Not since I've been here. Hmm. So not in the last seven years, okay. but I think I've heard that it's happened before. What's your um, prediction? I feel that if they put it up again, it'll it'll pass. In fact, Mm. the the anti-budget people are even predicting that as well. If you read their comments online, there's like, well, they're just going to put it up again and it'll pass this time. So there's a few snarky remarks about that Mm -hmm. online. And they're probably right. I think the parents who stayed home and didn't vote saw what happened. And now they'll be alarmed and go out. And like I said, it only failed by eight votes. So it wouldn't take much to turn it around and see what happens. So that's our biggest news right now. The only other thing I got that's kind of a, of note, and I'm not going to go into too much detail about it now because I haven't spoken to the proper people, but this has nothing to do with school board or anything like that. This is a crime story. I've gotten some emails that there was a, a sexual assault at a business and the Carmel police made an arrest over the weekend on Saturday. I got an email about that. And I don't want to say what business yet or even what kind of business until I verify everything with the police department. But there was a witness who wrote me the email who was there when it happened. And if I can verify anything, it's a little disturbing. It's a sexual assault. So I'm looking into that as soon as we're done with this to try to find out more information about that. So, you know, we haven't had a crime story of, well, we had the murder a couple of weeks ago, but this is also could be interesting as I talk to the police Mm.
0: department. Mm. All right, thank you, Bob. Carl, I'm going to jump to you. So um, if you can talk a little bit about Dorsalem and Somers and Mount Kisco Bedford Times, and that'd be
3: great. Well, not quite as exciting with the school (laughs) (laughs) elections as Brian and Bob's were. In North Salem, there were three spots and three people. There were two incumbents and one person who was an incumbent decided not to run again. So a member of the public did. And she ended up with more votes than the two incumbents. But just, you know, not not a whole lot more. I think 391. But anyway, so there was really no controversy there at all. Which North- I'm
0: surprised about because I know there's been some contentions on the North Salem board. Yeah. Um, so I'm surprised you know, that you didn't have more people running. Disappointing. I wish there was more people running.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm trying to find out whether that was a low turnout for just in general for the budget vote. I mean, there are five thousand people I think that live in North Salem, and if only four hundred, I'm trying to do the math. But anyway, I, maybe that's normal. I haven't covered North Salem schools for that long to know that. But anyway, in in the summers we had a little bit of more of a contest. There were three positions and four candidates and two were um, incumbents and one has been on the board for 15 years and he's intending he's going to go as, as long as he can and then he you know and then the other person I think has been I, I this is would be his third term and then we had two brand new people um, running one <laughs> had financial background and was going to bring that to the board and the other person who was involved with parent teacher associations had children in the school district and she is the one that won so but there was no political stuff they did have a league of women voters virtual forum which the candidates were asked about seven or eight questions apiece, and most of those questions were you know not controversial they there was one that sort of sort of touched on critical race theory although i don't believe it actually used those words but anyway so again it was there was no politicking as far as i could tell no factions but anyway, so that's that with my school district. <laughs> uh, in Somers, we will be covering career day at Lincoln Hall. This is tomorrow. This is where they're bringing in, uh, you know, at least 10 or 12 different businesses and people to talk to the kids about possibility of what they might want to do. We're going to go in. We're Anyway, I don't I'm not, not babbling, but um, oh, I should go back. Hey, Carol, here. actually, I want to praise you on that. I going oh. to praise you because
0: this is what community journalism is all about. I know the story that you had worked on and you and I kind of had a you know little discussion on, on it before going to press. I know it was not an easy story, but that's what community journalism is all about is, you know, we kind of touch on some of the controversial stuff, but then we're, we don't disappear. We're back for something like a career fair. And I think it's wonderful that you're doing that.
3: Right. And then it's good that they're, you know, allowing us to, to do this and anyway, but I forgot to mention that the uh, principal at, the Quantico Elementary School in North Salem. Surprise, surprise. They announced that she's retiring. Oh, um, Mary Johnson, Mary
0: Johnson. Thank
3: you. When we launched
0: North Salem News, I was actually the first Uh, reporter and editor for North Salem News when we launched it. And Mary Johnson was just so helpful. Just a very nice woman. Um, Yeah, uh, she'll definitely be missed.
3: Yeah, it's going to be a year of transition because there's, you know, searching for a new superintendent. Um, You know, Dr. Freeston is going to be retiring as of June 2023, I believe. So they're going to be looking for a new Principal for the elementary school, they're going to be looking for a new superintendent for a small school district like that. That's a pretty big transition, but anyway, I should have mentioned that, but that just came out of out of the blue yesterday. They I guess she just decided it at four o'clock and they announced it at seven o'clock. The other thing in North Salem, the high grade may finally be opening soon within the next two weeks. We've been trying following that. That's been going on for a long time. There's There was an old former deli slash grocery store. that, yep. been, Yeah. So they've been working on turning it into a food court, going to sell beer. We already wrote a story about the other side of the space as being a, you know, like Parker Mercantile that has a soft opening. So allegedly, it's going to have a soft opening and hopefully a grand opening in two weeks. So that's kind of exciting for little Croton Falls. And something I have to up to Tom Bartley about later about the ongoing Mount Kisco, the big story there is now this is contentious. This is a huge flap over a cell tower, which may or may not be sighted in Leonard Park. It's all complicated, eminent domain, you know, park ascension, et cetera, et cetera. And people are just coming out of the woodwork to these village board meetings to talk. There was at least seven people that got up and spoke last Tuesday. All of them were against it (laughs) anyway. And it involves Bedford because there's a question of whether this is going to benefit people who own cell phones in Mount Kisco or people who own them in Bedford. And Leonard Park is a beloved park. It's their only park, actually. So people are just generally up in arms at the thought that there might be a cell tower in Leonard Park when it's not. People love
2: their cell phones, but they do not like cell towers. (laughs) That's
3: exactly it. But this is very complicated. I intend to spend like the next week, like really digging down and trying to get as many people to talk about it as possible. But if you want to know what's going on, look at the village board meeting from this week. I would love if
0: there was a cell tower closer to my house just because <laughs> especially like if if we lose power, everybody's on the cell service, then you can't make any
4: kind of phone calls. I'm
0: going to move on to uh, Wit. You're on Carol's team here. So anything else to add with what you're working on?
4: Yeah. So Bedford, they had their board and budget vote. I would say not also not as eventful as the other towns, but something interesting to note is the three incumbents whose terms are ending chose not to run again. I do not think that's a coincidence. I think it's because of the special education scandal that's going on. I think that definitely had a large influence on their decision not to run. Three new board members got elected. They're entering kind of a firestorm. They have a lot of work to do, a lot of questions to answer. So we'll see what develops from there. Were they part Um, of some kind of faction or do you know what, what do they run on? I actually have to check that again, but uh, the budget got overwhelmingly approved along with the two bonds that were on the budget. So nothing too much to talk about from there. And then regarding Somers, uh, sectional playoffs have started. Somers loves their sports. So I'm just kind of, this week, I've just kind of been going all around covering their baseball games, their lacrosse games, and so on. So a lot for the sports section for next week. Anything on this Saturday at 95 degree weather? Actually, have to check again. I'm really hoping there isn't. I know Sunday's going to be worse, and thankfully, I'm pretty sure on Sunday nobody's playing. Thankfully, (laughs) Uh, I I cannot believe we're going to
0: this week from 50s in the morning to 95 on Saturday. And I guess I didn't know. Yeah, it's crazy. So, although I'm kind of excited about it too, it's nice to have one really hot day like that. So, uh, Gina, I'm going to jump over to you.
5: Yeah. So this week I have a couple of uh, meeting stories. I have. The uh, Lewisboro Planning Board was on Tuesday. Nothing really big stood out to me, except for there's a subdivision development that has been delayed a lot. And there was a kind of contention on the board about letting it go to public hearing. I have to go back through my notes a bit just to see what exactly the contention was, but I'm pretty sure it was about septic and water, where they want to plug in the water system, like what well they want it to go into. And the disagreement was about two members of the board just didn't think that the public really would care or have that much input into it. But it's still, it, they were outvoted and it's still going to public hearing on next month's meeting, like June 15th.
0: Where's the subdivision? It's Somewhere in... I have to look. I think it was yeah. Vista. Okay. All right. Is it like a housing development or a... Uh, yeah,
5: it's a housing development. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And then tonight is the Lakeland school board, so I've just been reading the uh, agenda for that just to see what it's going to be about. It just seems like they're voting or accepting the budget, really, is what it seems like.
0: So, Brian, I'll, I'll go to you. So, do the school boards, uh, I guess they approve budgets after it's voted on, or how does that work?
1: They're just certifying the results. I oh, got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Of yeah. the, uh, the elections. All right.
0: Gino, I'm very curious to see whether people from the factions, either faction, are over at the Lakeland uh, yeah, or, or too. Um,
1: well, that's some of the questions I've asked the candidates, uh, you know, I've I've reached out to the candidates of the Lakeland, the incumbents who won, by the way, and, you know, I, I asked them, I said, you know, it wasn't a referendum by any means that, you know, them getting reelected. So like, you know, I, and I'm sure they've heard the concerns, you know, so how do, how do they move this community forward without the divisiveness with, you know, incorporating some of the feedback they've heard? I'm curious to see if the competing factions who lost do show up tonight and, and what their presence is moving forward at these meetings, if it'll remain the same. So I think that's that's worth monitoring.
0: Yeah, great, great. Yeah, Gina, if you can keep us up to date with that, that'd be curious. And Sophia, last but not least, Sophia. Good morning. Morning.
5: One big thing that's happening in New Yorktown right now is the town board is in conjunction with the Food Alliance in town and they are launching a maybe formula drive because everything is so low everywhere. So that's going to run until May 31st. The press conference was this Monday, so it's going to be like out this week, but it's a really big deal. You can donate at the Town Hall in Yorktown, St. Mary's on Route 6 in Mohegan Lake, or at the First Presbyterian at the corner of 132 and 202. So anything that people have in their shelves, just leftover, anything you can donate, even if it's recently expired, Councilwoman
3: Howitt said, just still bring it because we can look at it and see what to do with it. Sophia just wanted to quickly mention Westchester formula finders apparently is a thing. I've been seeing it on social media. This is a, some kind of organization that like searches around for baby formula and they'll tell you, go to, you know, Maya pack there's 12 cans of formula. And I mean, it's, I, I, I don't know too much about it, but I just heard about it yesterday. I saw it a lot of chit chat on social media about the baby formula situation, even in our wealthier areas, which kind of one would think that that might not be a problem up here, but I guess it is. So,
0: you know, Carol, it's interesting you brought that up. And Sophia, thank you for bringing up this topic. I don't think it's a wealth thing. I think, regardless of your level of affluence, moms and dads rely on formula. Certainly, even breastfeeding moms still rely on formula to help supplement the baby.
3: Why is there a shortage? That's what I don't understand. Well, There's a lot of human climate?
1: psychology involved, I think. Supply
3: chain kind well, of a thing.
0: Well, I, I, I think. I think what Brian said is kind of right. I think anytime people start panicking, people then start people hoarding. Are, people are
3: hoarding. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say people are hoarding. I do think panic doesn't help. You know, frankly, I'd love to have my dad on this show because he he has a very strong opinion of what's going on with with baby formula. But apparently, each state. This is interesting. Each state, I think, they can choose an official like supplier through the WIC program. So apparently, because each state kind of has its official supplier with the WIC program, I think that there's some issues that make certain things less competitive, non-competitive, which is. At least contributed to the supply chains. I can't speak more intelligently about it than that. But I thought it
2: was because a certain plant got shut down by the FDA. I think there's multiple
0: reasons. I think what Brian said, I think what you just said, I think there's some issues with WIC and how they kind of control which brands are their preferred suppliers, because apparently WIC is a huge, important factor in, in terms of that as well. So
3: that's why I was bringing up the, you know, the financial factor, because maybe in some poor communities, there's not only is it more expensive, but there's less likely to be supermarkets. You know, I mean, anyway, that just sort of brings up a question. Should we not be doing this? And thank you, Sophia, doing this regionally and finding out where in our areas there might be something like what she mentioned, you know, go to this church, go to this food pantry. It seems like it's a regional
0: thing you know, I, 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 I love the idea I don't want to sign things when I'm an, not an editor here Brian you know what, what are your thoughts
1: I haven't given it much thought but I mean it, it's certainly worthwhile to look into
0: since Sophia's already kind of worked on this story maybe we could make this a little bit of a wider story
1: yeah I mean I, I, well like I said we'll talk offline I know Sophia's got a lot on her plate right now sure that's why I didn't want
0: to yeah sorry about <laughs> that. okay we'll talk offline yeah, yeah. about that you know, Carol, certainly good suggestion. And I do, I personally think it's actually a, a, a pretty big story. And I think it's it's uh, causing anxiety a, among a lot of people locally. Anyway. By the uh, way,
1: we left people hanging last week about the business. Remember? You said the business was going out and we didn't want to say which one it was.
0: Yes, yes, yes. We didn't leave <laughs> people hanging. So thank you Ryan, <laughs> for bringing that up. It was actually officially emailed today. And Carol, you got some kudos in, in this email. That they sent out, uh, they pointed people to the Summers record. Steve Delzio, Mary Delzio, they are closing the Mexican shack after I believe. 47- oh
3: my god, I had to look at the date. I was going, like, okay, it's the 19th. All right. <laughs> it, well, this yeah, was yeah. yeah. Hit, hit, yeah. Well, yeah, no, he posted
1: he, it. Yeah. Yeah. He this was, posted this
3: it. was a deep, dark secret. But yes, this place was an. In- icon that's been there for almost half a century and i love steve delzio he's he's a great guy but there are people that are going to be crying all over all over here i know
0: like my mom
3: loves that place my wife
0: loves that place um it, it really is a very unique shop very unique it is yeah not just a jewelry store really you know all things southwest and it's just uh beautiful beautiful stuff in fact uh when I got engaged, I, I couldn't afford that much. And, and uh, in the year 2022, I still can't afford that much. Steve did a really nice job with doing a little en- en- enhancement with Lauren's engagement ring, where um, kind of for very inexpensively, he did something where he kind of raised the stone, made it look a little bit prettier than it was. So, you know, Steve does magic with things and it's a great store. And Steve Delzio is and his wife and his family are fantastic uh, members of the, the Somers community. So are they retiring? Yeah, they are retiring. I don't know, if Carol, if your story revealed his age, but
3: yes, I oh, did it. He's 69. He looks a lot younger. Oh, yes. um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, so
3: his son his uh, if you read the story, it was his son said, look, dad, you know, I'm, his son is 20 years old. He just graduated from college and he sat his dad down one day and said, you know, Dad. Uh, you know, realize that at 68, you're you're approaching the the lifespan mm-hmm. of I don't know what a male lifespan is, 75 or something. He said, and in, in 20 years, you're going to be 88 years old. And he said, I can't imagine not having you. In this how fast my life is going in twenty years, you know looking ahead, twenty years, I can't imagine not you not having so it sort of made him think, you know like I've done this for forty seven years, I want to go out on he says in the stories that I want to go out on top, i you know it's the time to go and relax. I'm almost seventy years old and but you know it's hard because this has been his and his wife's and his family's life for half a century, and he started in a van then he built up to this thing so it was really a neat story i had i had a fun time doing it.
0: that's great thank you thank you for that carol and thank you brian for bringing it up <laughs> so anyway i hope everyone has a great rest of your week and we'll meet back next week okay thank bye you. everybody thanks Bye, bye